is Joey Diaz, and you're listening to All You Radio. You're beautiful, baby. Thank you for your time, guys. I love you guys. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ear and listen to OU Radio. every Tuesday night from 6 to 9 p.m. or catch it after on demand at kuradio.org. And it hurts so good. Listeners, welcome to All You Radio with your hosts, Rebecca and Sasha. Yes, hello, Becca. Hello, listeners. Hello, everyone. It's such a beautiful day on campus. I know. It's been a nice couple days. Yesterday was really nice. The nighttime? <laughs> of course it is. It was so nice. This is All You Radio. It is. Welcome to our party. It is a party, kind of. <laughs> it really is, guys. We have a fantastic show today. We have the LGBT Resource Center coming in today. They are going to be talking about gender-neutral pronouns, discrimination, the fear and anxiety that a transgender person goes through while trying to decide which bathroom to use. We are going to talk about the Resource Center specifically so that gay and non-gay students know that you can get emergency loans, food cards if you haven't eaten a meal, and all things at the U. We'll talk Pride Week a little. Yes, tomorrow is Pride Week from 6 to 8. Johnny McKeon will be marching with the ABC News Corporation. Are you going, Becca? Um, yeah, I'm supposed to be marching in the Pride Band. That's right. I just had to get my hands on the right instrument. It's always a struggle, right? The triangle. The end. Yeah, the triangle, for sure. <laughs> because I don't have all the instruments I've ever marched on. I don't own one. And my saxophone is in St. George. Yes. So I was like, I'm instrumentless. But usually we can, between the whole band and, and then some, we can usually scrounge up some extra instruments for those of us who are without we have so many talented people coming into OU Radio over the next month. You should give us a small recap. Hmm. Do I want to? Er, not a recap. So, okay, let me pull. Upcoming cap. <laughs> There's been a couple of changes, but I mostly know what's going on. So on Tuesday we have Nick Marks coming in. He's a blogger, a geek guy. I think he's on the Geek Show, uh, Big Shiny Robot. That's from six thirty to seven thirty. After that, we have Pirama, Patrick Ramirez. The one, the only. But he's got a guest coming in, too. Andy Gold. 
Oh no, it's gonna be so funny. Seven thirty to eight thirty? Yes. Or whenever we finish. Yeah, till we close it down or get fired, one or the that's other. That's gonna be till they kick us out. Okay. Oh, and Andy's gonna have a problem too, because I think that's a Michael Jackson themed show. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I provided some good names for that one. Let's huh? see if the funny men can moon dance as moonwalk as well as I can. We'll have to upload an Insta <laughs> video this time. <laughs> So the following Thursday, we have a uh, very serious show. We have Mark Van Heusen in. He is the father of the 16-year-old young man, or teen. He's not even a man. The 16-year-old teen who's in prison right now uh, on a burglary case. His lawyer will probably be joining us, too. That's what we're hoping to do so that we don't get anyone in trouble. On Tuesday the 17th, we're doubleheading again. We have Adrian Ballinger. He's climbed Mount Everest six times. So we're going to talk about Everest. We're going to talk about gear. We're going to talk about the do's Proper and safety. We're going to talk about the do's and don'ts of being in a forest, such as not wearing jeans. Um, what are good sleeping bags? Um, how not to get ripped off at these big uh, camping stores? Yeah. And all things amazing, because I'm sure I'm excited for that sitting one. at the top of the highest mountain in the, on planet Earth is uh, pretty rewarding. Something else. Yeah. I would be way too scared. Because I've climbed uh, Mount Hood, and I've climbed Mount Whitney, which is the tallest mountain in North America. And I have an idea, but without the treachery and uh, reverence that goes with Mount Everest. Let's see. And then after him, we have... Alexis Lexi Papadopoulos. She's a Wasatch Roller Derby girl. She's a morning show host and midday host at KUDD. Uh, she's owner and manager, a voice actor, and sassy pants voiceovers. That's our second hour Tuesday. Yes. So we are going to get quite the education. Yeah, we are. And then we have the great senator of Utah, James Jim DeBacchus, coming in. We have the general manager of ABC4 Utah coming in. Different days, we haven't bugged them. <laughs> bugged them. Bugged them. We haven't booked them completely. Quite yet. And then we also have the great reporter, podcaster, Rick Aaron coming in. So I don't know if it gets any better. It doesn't. And then this weekend, we're going to Wise Guys. We're going Come find us. on an OU radio field trip. Field trip. And I was talking to our friend Patrick Ramirez last night. And we're going to try to find you a queen's throne so you can sit with all the comics. Yes. Our selfie is going to be fantastic. I'm really excited for the selfie with Joey. And Yeah, well, so here's going to be my pitch to Mr. Uh, Diaz. I'm going to ask him if I can come out to California and do an hour podcast with him. I'll bring my equipment. We'll, I'll take him out to lunch. We'll go sit on a beach. You know, just give us some wisdom because we had a fantastic conversation with him. The audio wasn't the best. And it was just the tip of the ice. But he's so smart. And the education that he'd give to the young peoples on this campus, I think, is needed. And my parents live out in California. Maybe we'll both go so that you can meet up with my mom. Yes. Go. We can go look at UC Santa Barbara. And we can meet up with uh, Mr. Diaz and maybe meet Joe Rogan and get him in there, too. So big things coming, coming up. up. And then we got to start working on our David Grisman field trip for Seattle. Mm-hmm. Or 
we might go to Thailand and adopt six kids. Yeah. We're not sure on that. I told everyone <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Did Mitch roll I'm, his eyes on that one? I don't even know if he heard that one <laughs> or remembered it. But I'm just going to surprise adopt like a billion children. I can do that, I think. I'm old enough. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's... Totally. Embrace the championships of humans throughout exactly. the world, Becca. I'll get one from every country. We'll get you a heavyweight belt. So I could carry all the chillin'. Yes, chillin'. Oh, yeah. The herd. The herd. The Shalander clan. <laughs> It'll be glorious. I'm excited for this weekend, though. I've never been to Wise Guys. I've only heard about it for, like, months from people who ship Wise Guys pretty hard. So... It'll be a good... It's such a fun experience. And now that you know all the comics, like... I'm excited. You're going to get the special treatment. And boy, are you going to be hit on a lot by everybody. I am not. <laughs> I'll just wear a wedding ring. <laughs> on both hands. <laughs> all fingers. All fingers have a wedding ring. I'll just go get some, like, cheesy ones at Target. <laughs> and I'll wear one on every finger. And I'll be like, interesting story. I'm really taken. <laughs> I like it, Becca. Uh, <laughs> uh. So, go to Wise Guys. There's two shows uh, on Friday and Saturday. 7.30 show mm-hmm. on both days. And then 9.30 shows. They're all going to be very good. Yeah. Do you think it would be hard to do two shows in one night? Yes. I think it would be. Because you just, like, did your thing. And you're like, yeah, that was good. Did it. No mess-ups. I feel good about it. And Crowd then you got to amp up right away. Yeah, and then you got to, like, get going. How long are the shows usually? Like, how much downtime do they Usually have? 60 minutes. Um, Total. Well, no, they're probably an hour and a half because you have an opening act. And then. Because um, it's a restaurant, too. Yeah. So you most. I can get food? You can get food. I'm an, I bet they have nachos, and I bet they're so good. So That's I, my go-to. Uh, I know that they have pizza that's good. I think all their food's good. They got great hamburgers. They got beers. I don't. I don't know if you can get liquor, but you can buy beers, and they're not. They're like four bucks a beer. They're not overly expensive. But I certainly enjoy. Um, I think Christian Piper's opening up for him too. Is he? Yeah. He was. I'm not positive. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> they're all funny, and Keith. Keith is the owner over there, and he, he just started a midday sport talk show at espn 700 and he's awesome like Have it's so listened? oh yeah i've been listening the last three days because i was kind of unemployed for a little bit not that i'm not i'm employed with the pac-12 and but the big news oh the big news a child got his dream when i was six years old i wanted a job in radio and then today i got hired by clear channel to do some producing for them I'm and clapping. You know what the weird thing is? They were so excited that I signed. They were? Yeah, like, they wanted me. They knew who I was, and... Because I walked in there, and I was like, what it is? Oh, what it is, <laughs> Why am guys. I in this... Gosh, the building's beautiful. I walk into this building, we're in this big corporate thing, and I got, like, a lady and a guy to my right and left, and I'm sitting right in between them, like, yeah. at the head of the 90-foot table, feeling like the a boss. The intimidation table. Yes. <laughs> And I said, first of all, before we go anywhere, you need to know that I'm a Pac-12 guy. Mm -hmm. I go, well, we want you to be a Clear Channel guy, too, and we'll work around your schedule. And I said, fantastic. They go, we usually don't sign people the day of an interview, but here's your contract. Sign it. And then you did. So it's a done deal. 
dude, the stack of papers must have been 200 pages. Like, I thought the ABC4 News Nexstar was a huge contract, and it was. It was, like, 60 pages. This, but this one's thing was even stacked. bigger. And you know what's even better? They said that I can continue doing Odie Radio here at the University of Utah. But how I dare never sign with any other competitor of theirs. So, we're going to be here for a long time. This is exciting. Yes. That's a big job. Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. And they got like six or seven different radio stations there. They got the Rush Limbaugh shows and the Glenn Becks. I want to get a plug from Glenn Beck. Because <laughs> now I'm a producer and I can call him up and say, hey. Hey, Glenn. Got some official business for you, sir. Send him homework. <laughs> well, this is Glenn Beck. You're listening to OU Radio. <laughs> Just cut that and do that. And like maybe people, maybe some people will believe you. You can't lie. You can't I be know. inauthentic. So we would like all of you to support KU Internet Radio at their Facebook, at their Twitter. Uh, support the DJs. We've got some good DJs. I've been listening around a lot because I've had some leisure time. And kids are playing good music. There's a lot of uh, different types of music, you know. Yeah. I'm really waiting for that next crew of podcasters because if you want to get trained up by Beck and I before we boogie on out of here. <laughs> that was the loudest water bottle pop opening ever. <laughs> Usually it's quieter than that, but this one was like boom. Sounded like you were playing the drums. Yeah, like tapping <laughs> the on bongo. <laughs> Are we getting summer interns? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Here's hoping. Do you want to be our intern? Email us. Yeah, we'll teach you how to edit. Radio at gmail.com. We'll teach you how to run the dad computer. We'll teach you everything. Yeah. But I think we got a full crew. We got Kefis yeah, McDonald. Yeah, pretty good, actually. And then we got to train up Mr. Marty Archibald. <laughs> but the if you the wandering it, Marty. We'll get an intern and we'll make them, like, bring the waters. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would, Write no. the blog. I will bring <laughs> our interns water. I know. Interns are recruits. That's what Keith. That's how the term recruit came. Keith on his first day is like, I am not your intern. I'll be your recruit, but mm-hmm. I will not. He's like, because interns mean walks to McDonald's, walks to McDonald's, <laughs> coffee shop. You know, so, no, we don't do that. We like to have fun here. We're not, we're not in the interest of uh, hurting people here. Johnny McKean's been doing a fantastic job as always. I know. Apparently, we've got some good stuff going on. <laughs> He's just a booker. He's a professional talent booker. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets starting to be paid in that by some company someday. Because he's good at it. I don't know how. I don't know what type of sorcery and well, wizardry he does. Yes. Maybe you get him a recruit. Because it's agonizing for me to... That's a, that's a good idea. Get Johnny Johnny, we're going to get you an assistant. Yeah, we are. And, uh, you know, we'll get you a shoe shine machine. We'll hook you up, bro. Because you do so good here. It'll be great. Yes. So what do you want to learn today about the LGBT community? Um, I kind of just, honestly, I only knew that the resource center was here because I'd walked past it once or twice Mm -hmm. on the way to the Crimson View (laughs) restaurant. But I'd never even really been in there. And I honestly didn't know. I mean, I really still don't even know what all they do. Did you so know? I think it'd be interesting to talk a, pretty extensively about what they offer and what you can find there and some of the people's experiences there. Because especially if we have students listening. Um, especially and we do, if? Especially we because have a lot we of students, students listening, listening, ma'am. I feel like it would be important to talk about 
just the resource center itself a little more. Did you know that we're a top 25 inclusive campus in the country? I sure did. They're responsible for that. And then when the di- I don't think you can leave the diversity uh, yeah. people out and the women's center out and the army veterans. They it's all a, work together pretty It's a big hard. crew here at the U, you know. We roll hard as Utes. <laughs> we ball hard. <laughs> yes. We defend <laughs> these mountains with uh, privilege. With fervor. Because that's what the Ute means. You know that, right? Mm-mm. Defenders of the mountain. Yeah. Yes. I like that. That should just be our football name. Defenders of the Mountain. The Utah University of Utah Defenders of the Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> That's way more intimidating. Take that, you political PC junkies. Right. <laughs> we are the Defenders of the Mountain. <laughs> Come at us, Trojans. That like, will be s- That's the best name. You know, that's something that we're going to have to ask uh, these beautiful people from the LGBT resources. Uh, are we starting to go over with political correctness? Yeah, talk about the and fight then song. With the what? Did you want to ask them about we should. their take on the fight song? I think we should. I'm not afraid to express my views about that, too. They're great people, and they encourage dialogue and debate. That's the brilliance of the LGBT Resource Center is they're accepting. They're not confrontational. They're not, they're not unwilling to be confrontational. Uh, they're a great asset here at the U. And I did a story for Newsbreak a couple of years, and it goes back to the 60s, and they used to meet in secrecy because they were publicly shamed to be gay on this campus. There used to be beatings on this campus to transgender and gay kids. Um, Times have changed. And I think it's, it it might be irreverent to, you know, the generations that are living now, but in 50 years, what's going on with the LGBT freedom movement is going to be an impressive one, not only for here, but the world. Because at the end of the day, hundreds of thousands of people are being persecuted and murdered and ruined because of their sexual uh, identity. And it's hard enough to live on planet Earth. You know, I'm not a gay man, but I support any human being that's willing to be a human. And I've met a lot of gay and lesbian and transgendered people that are pretty damn awesome. So it's going to be a great privilege to have them in. Yes. That'll be good. You know, the gay pride parade, I'm kind of curious about that. I think parades in general are weird. I think flamboyancy is unique. You know, I was actually reading I, reading a little bit, um, just some different, like, forum boards mm-hmm. for, like, the Utah Pride Center and things. And a lot of people who've been around Salt Lake and involved in that community this whole time are kind of partial to the parade and the festival aspect of it now as well. What do you mean, partial? Um, like, charging to get in. Doing a big parade. Is it non-profit? No. Hmm. I don't think so. Why does it not go to AIDS research and there stuff? There was this, there was an article that came out too back, like just a week or two ago, in the middle of um, May, with the Pride Center and their planning committee. Did you read any of that? No idea. Uh, there, the festival, like the committee head, I don't know, president, whoever was in charge of the committee and then her successor basically like her recruit um both quit on the same day because of a meeting about the festival coming up and some disagreement on how much to charge how much they thought tickets are being sold for and then the overall profit how much they spent on it and i was reading a bunch of forums and a lot of people as well are kind of wishing it was the same kind of close-knit free gathering Mm -hmm. slash festival 
within the community instead of this big um like headliners and concerts and things like that what do they charge to do that so it's the tickets to get in yes eight dollars before ten dollars day of or the difference was that the committee board not the festival planners but the rest of the board were wanting them to charge fifteen dollars yeah well you know there's a lot of they got to pay for police they got to play yeah. for cleanup it's it's a big production to yeah, keep like thousands it. of people safe especially a vulnerable group because you know if i don't know if you caught the news today there's another mass shooting in seattle i didn't actually. yes and those things are you know we've got to prevent those and it's expensive 15 it should be a tax break yeah. I, I think something like that should be a tax break I'm not a fan of people making money off of parades like that. But we're going to go to break here. When we get back, we have the LGBT Resource Center coming in, and it's our great privilege to have you in this conversation. So we will be right back. Your summer just got a whole lot better. All Ute Radio is now streaming live two nights a week on KUteRadio.org. Listen every Tuesday and Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Or catch the podcast on demand. Yes! I'm DJ Solar at the University of Utah, and you're listening to KUTE Internet Radio. Radio for students, by students. to compare all the choices and put the bogus myths to bed at bedsider.org. Brought to you by Bedsider and the Ad Council. Bedsider.org. Hey everybody, this is George Severson, News Director at ABC4 Utah and CW30 and MeTV. You're listening to Old U Radio. Have a great day. song I wrote, you might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy. Hello listeners, welcome to All Ute Radio. Um, this is your host Rebecca, also host, co-host Sasha. 
We have some guests in studio, don't we, Sasha? We have the great LGBT Resource Center in. Hello, Kai Medina Martinez. Hello, Hello, Kiko. How are you? Awesome. How are you? I'm doing beautiful. We got to get on mics here. Oh, there we go. Yep. We're all set up. There we go. So, how is? I bet you guys are pretty hectic with Gay Pride coming into Salt Lake this week. Um. Yeah. We have. We've been doing a lot of preparations. Um. We hold a booth throughout the. Uh, all of the Pride festivities, and we also take part in the parade with, uh, and we do tabling along with button makings and also just kind of uh, marketing and outreach with students about when it is U of U Campus Pride, which is in October. We have a week-long Pride uh, with events throughout the whole week along with the gala at the end. What is the LGBT Resource Center? Because I imagine of our 20,000 plus students, a lot of them don't even know that there's an LGBT Resource Center here on campus. Right, the LGBT Resource Center here at the University of Utah opened its doors in 2002. And it, um, it happened uh, due to uh, the fact that our, our, our student body as well as faculty and staff is becoming more and more diverse. Um, there's been a, uh, a group on campus since the 70s, a student group that uh, addressed lesbian and gay issues. And um, as, as things have changed uh, to address lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender issues and concerns, as well as, as um, queer, questioning, ally, um, asexual, intersex issues regarding students feeling included on campus, as well as safety issues, this, the center opened in 2002. And, and we, we see a lot of different students, and we do a lot of different services. And uh, we what see- What type of services? Um, well, we have a lot of, so I am Kika Leanne, I'm the training coordinator for the LGBT Resource Center, and through, we have a lot of trainings that we offer. The, probably the most common training that we do is called the Safe Zone Training, that is uh, about a three-hour training of advocacy and ally building with staff, faculty, uh, as well as students, uh, to work with other students with promoting uh empowering and uh, raising awareness with LGBT students on creating a safe space for them. Uh, and that is one of, the one of the services we offer just with trainings, but we also have outreach, and we have an outreach coordinator who coordinates uh, panels. Uh, there are panels in classes that a lot of professors may ask for, but we've also gone off campus with trainings and panels uh, where it's mostly volunteer-based, volunteers who uh, train volunteers who come to these panels uh, to try to raise awareness, promote, and empower those individuals. But the LGBT Resource Center itself is a space where I came my very first year, my very first day actually at this university, just looking for a place where I could just be and I could be all of me. And that was kind of a place to be. There was a lounge where I was able to meet with people, but also there's a computer lab and library where you can... Uh, uh, take out books and have printing services as well. And I actually, uh, through someone who worked at the LGBT Resource Center, I was able to find someone uh, to find a healthcare professional to help that was um, that could meet me where I was at with my identity. Yeah. So, uh, when I was a student here, I did a journalism story on the LGBT Resource Center. I interviewed you, Kai Medina Martinez, and I also spent about 15 hours in the library, the Marriott Library, researching the LGBT Resource Center back in the 60s and 70s, we, even though it wasn't called that, 
but they met in secrecy. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of people on this campus that were beaten. You know, I don't think it's happened recently, but I know as of 10 years ago, there was violence on this campus because of how people identified with themselves. So there's a long history of this struggle on this campus. How are we today as a campus community uh, embracing the LGBT community? Well, one of the things that, that we do at the center that I spend a lot of time doing is working on policies and procedures for the university. Um, for an example, one of the, the things that we've been able to do when students register uh, to, or are admitted to the university and they do their, their CIS, which is their profile page, they're able to select a, it's currently what it's called as a preferred name. For So somebody who's transitioning, uh, transitioning from uh, the, uh, the assignment at birth uh, to a gender that they, they feel like they identify and that they feel the most comfortable in, Oftentimes, you'll, they'll, they'll change a name that matches that. And so, so any student can go onto their CIS and, 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 and uh, put in a name that they would prefer to go by. And for some students, it, that, um, for, for, it's for every student to use. So, so we see it with international students sometimes who, who have their, their, their given name. And when they, they, they come to the U.S. to study, they will, they will, they will sure. select a name that so so it's really for any student but it, it started and when it initially was was spoken about for students who are transitioning who are who are presenting uh, differently in the classroom than what their name said so so that's one thing that we worked on so now when students register they can or when they're admitted they can they can go through their CIS and on the roll it has their they have to have their legal name there and it has a preferred name the name that they want to go in class so that's one thing that we've worked on we've also worked on uh, the awareness regarding bathrooms on campus too that are we have very gendered bathrooms and um, and there are individuals who I know for me personally it, I uh, and for students that I've worked with that that what bathroom to use uh, has has been a source of, of anxiety um, for fear of being um, asked to leave or something happening to them and so the awareness of that that having bathrooms accessible to, to everybody regardless of, of one's but identity. it's not just anxiety it's of a person holding their urine or whatever for eight to ten hours because right. yeah it's not just a, it's fear correct right. mm -hmm. yeah yeah and, and oftentimes people say like i don't go to the bathroom at all all day until you know I, I get home or I'm someplace or or I'll wake up in the morning and say okay I'm gonna go over to this building I'm gonna go to this part of campus where am I where am I gonna go to the bathroom and on our website we have a list of uh, of single stall uh, uh, gender um, uh, like family bathrooms. Yeah, on campus, up on by in the Hospital Health Sciences Research Park and on lower campus, so that people can go on there and, and find a bathroom uh, that they 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 know there it's in the vicinity that they can use. Um, it's also for individuals who who feel more comfortable, regardless of their identity, going to a bathroom with nobody else. Also, so so anybody, and, and the way that benefits um, individuals if they need assistance in the bathroom too, somebody to assist them. But you're right; there's some health concerns when you don't go to the bathroom all day, um, or you have to go from one building to the next, another building to go to the restroom. So it's fear, and um, especially if you have a disability, because we are on a hilly campus, and walking's a difficult thing for in a lot the of winter. people. Well, and that's why uh, you know I, I use the example my father who is is, is um, passed away in 2012 who had Parkinson's and as his Parkinson's progressed when we would travel 
with with him because uh, they would spend some uh, winters in um, Arizona. Uh, we would have to stop and help him go to the restroom at a, a gas station and that. And so it was always, which restroom do we take him into, okay? Because yeah. he needed assistance. And oftentimes, uh, my sisters and my mom would take him into the men's restroom because it wasn't, it didn't create that much of a, you know, concern for those in there. Uh, but, but, but you're right, uh, for people who need assistance too, um, that's really a, a benefit to have that. And so, uh, so those are some of the things that we worked on on campus is those policies, uh, um, that uh, would assist people who uh, don't identify as, as, as cisgender or um, um, in, in ways like that. On Instagram and on Twitter, and I, I'm just using people that I know on this campus, you see, I haven't seen any hatred or hostility, but you see a picture of the new uh, <laughs> emblems on these Ba are they unisex bathrooms? What, what's the appropriate term? Are, are you talking about in some of the newer buildings? Yes. Yes, yes. I haven't seen those in the newer buildings, but they, they, um, they, the, the ones I've seen have had, they're symbols that people use. Usually uh, for a man they have, uh, and then for a woman they have kind of a, a, what it appears to be a, a dresser. Yeah. Or, right. the, yeah, mm -hmm. or family. Uh, so I haven't seen some of those new signs, but that's usually, or they might say gender, um, uh, gender-free bathroom. And they're green, okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so depending, I haven't seen those, but, but yeah, in the newer buildings, they, they have options like that. And, and so, so I get, I've seen, I, ha I didn't get personally, but I've seen students and professors take photos of them and then caption, this is weird, I don't understand why this is happening, I don't like this. Why is there resistance by either religious people or just people in general towards um, creating bathrooms. I don't know if I would. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I would specify it's religious pe individuals. Yeah. Uh, I, I think what what it is is that uh, we have this idea that um, uh, bathroom. I mean, there are public spaces, and then um, and we're one of you know, a, a few countries who are very specific with bathrooms. I mean, if you go to parts of Europe, there's you know bathrooms that are for anybody to use regardless okay and there are lots of stalls but with bathrooms um, you know issues of safety come up uh, uh, concerns regarding that uh, will somebody try to peek or somebody you know will mm -hmm. somebody try to grab me or right. um, are they coming in the bathroom uh, because they just want to check me out things like that so issues of safety come up and, and privacy and so um, <laughs> And because as a culture here in the U.S., we're not used to that. And when somebody sees that, it's like, oh, wow, this is really odd and weird. I don't know what I feel about this because, you know, what, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, so I, I think, you know, that's part of it right there, too, is this fear of safety, which if it, bathrooms are, I mean, very rarely. I mean, what I see is that, you know, somebody goes to the bathroom to go to the bathroom. Okay. Yeah. And they don't go in the bathroom to, um, I mean, um, to peek or do something like that. It's, or or somebody's not going to dress. A man's not going to dress up as a woman to go to the bathroom. That's very rare. That doesn't happen. Um, but those are the fears. Well, you mean as a sexual predator, right? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. The mm -hmm. fear of of, uh, of that. It's like, yeah. well, you know, like, well, how Abuse do I? That. Yeah. How do how do I know? It's like, you know, that you that 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 isn't the case. It's very few cases that we've seen like that, but that, that usually if somebody goes to the bathroom, it's because that's what they're going there. They're going to the bathroom and to leave. They're not, they're not going there to, to peek or to, um, you know, assault somebody. It just, yeah. and it's usually men, um, uh, that happening that way. So, um, but I think it's because we're not, it's not a, it's not something that we, that's part of what we try to do in the center is try to educate around it is, is about the, you know, the bathrooms and how, 
how those are spaces that create a lot of anxiety and safety for people. And it's on both sides, too. Is, is your conversation, does that extend to all students? Like, I would love to see the LGBT Resource Center have a spot at KU Internet Radio or an article with the crony um, so that everybody starts to learn about the experience and that we're all just the same and that you know the abuse and, and segregation that a lot of people face is not needed but I don't I'm not sure I know that you have a great website I know you have Facebook and you're on Twitter but I don't feel like you guys are always as plugged in as you really should be yeah, and, and that is that that can be a challenge because we um, we table at the different festivals throughout the year, like Plaza Fest. We do tabling for orientation. Uh-huh. Uh, we do events, and we try to get as much out there as possible. And so, and then we're invited uh, to do various things. But but you're right; it's one of the challenges that on a campus this big is to kind of get out there as much as we can. So oftentimes, what we rely on when we do a panel in class and we talk about these sorts of things for students to. to then share the knowledge and the information and continue to do that. So a lot of what we do is hopefully that'll be shared and it'll be word of mouth. But uh, but you're right. There have been, over the years we we've done articles in the Chronicle, or been invited to do that, and we've you know shown documentaries and spoken about various things. And um, and it is something that we continue to to, um, to to work on and try to continue to um, inform people about the services at. Well, I'm lucky that I know the directors at the Crony and Kiyu, and I'm going to see if I can do some advocacy Great. to get you <laughs> print and airtime, because I, I think not only, I'm sure you have communication students, I'm sure that you have people that are very good at social media, and we have great outlets on this yeah. campus. And the other thing, too, like uh, you were asking about the services, that's one of the services that we, we have in the center that we do mm-hmm. is that we provide support for students who are working on academic assignments like you were, Sasha, with your journalism class. Okay, you came into the center, we talked, we, we got you connected up. Those are the kind of things we do because in some classes students need to do projects or and that's the sort of things that we do. We get students who, who call and come in and say, you know, I, I, I have this project to do, can I interview you, do you know what? So we do a lot of academic support and in the classroom support when we do panels or we go in and do safe zones for professors. So around this time of year we have instructors at emailing us and asking us, what are you going to do next year in the fall so I can put it into my syllabus so students can attend it. So we, we assist um, that way too. So, um, so there's a lot of different um, aspects that we do. Yeah. Do you have enough staffing and budget provided to you by the U to uh, work with possibly 28,000 people? <laughs> well, I, I think it's over 30. Is that what we have here at the U? Yeah, the students about, anyway. About so, 30,000. So, you know, we're a smaller office. We're kind of a grassroots mm-hmm. office. Um, we speak oftentimes about LGBT resource centers or queer centers, kind of those new areas on, on college campuses, kind of a new profession in student affairs and academic affairs. And mm-hmm. so, uh, like any s- small college, we have a small office. We have we have a smaller staff. We, we, we got a professional staff recently. We have a budget that's we're supported by the university. And and so uh, we do do some grants, we do do some fundraising, but we do a lot of what we do with uh, a small two student staff, a graduate student, two professional staff, and the rest student volunteers. And so like we, we do with a lot yeah. we do a lot with a little, and there's always more to do. Absolutely. Uh, so do we get support from the university to be on campus? We do get support. We're very much um, an office that's centrally located here in the union. Um, that uh, we have a space, we have we have uh, what we need, but we always can can you know hopefully we'll continue to expand and grow too. So 
Absolutely. Um, the more I was thinking, I mean, the more I was reading up and talking about these bathroom issues that we have already discussed, I was kind of wondering something, and maybe it's not an issue, but the more I got thinking, I was like, it must be. Because as far as I know, we don't have co-ed dorms here, right? It w- if you were a transgender or transitioning youth and you wanted to live on campus, how would, is, is that something that students have come to you about? Is that like an, a discussion that's being had or? Yeah, it, it is a discussion that we had. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that Kiko lived in the, f- in the first um, gender um, um, uh, free uh, housing option on campus that was offered last fall. Okay. Uh-huh. So that's now nice. housing has a dedicated page for just this, students who want, who who uh, may be transitioning, or students who who would like to be a little bit more selective with their room options. Unfortunately, the cost is probably what in the prohibiting factors that is very of that. It's, yeah. it's more expensive in that way than the other dorms. Uh, yeah, because it's, uh-huh. it's 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 called what uh, themed housing uh, up there that they have. Uh, yeah, living learning community. So that in, in order to so it isn't in where a lot of the other residence halls are. It's actually in, if you're familiar with Officer Circle, yeah. those houses, that's where one. That's where the okay. Alliance House is, where they've purposed that into a living learning community around social justice I issues. See. But it's also a gender-inclusive environment. I say inclusive as compared to neutral because it's still um, kind of an opt-in-by-choice rooming situation. And outside of that house, there are options for... Uh, trans individuals to live in uh, apartment areas with a preferred gender. Myself, I've been using that option for the past, actually since I first came here. Yeah. Uh, but just like Kai said, th- uh, they said it's more expensive. It is the most, if not one of the more expensive options that uh, for me hasn't yeah. been an option, right? For what uh, reason? Uh, in that, so, if uh, so, like you said, they are not co-ed. So in these individual rooms or these suite style rooms, because most of them are suite style, yeah. they do uh, segregate those by uh, assigned sex or or gender. So the options they have t- to offer to trans identified or gender non-conforming students are super single or single deluxe so that they have their own room, but also maybe their own restroom. Uh, which those are great options to be able to have, but they are very expensive. I wanted to live in the fine arts house once, (laughs) and I was like, not going to happen. Right, they are very expensive, and they also require um, a meal plan, which which adds a a much larger cost. And, uh, you know, that can be problematic for anybody, but I think uh, intersectionally it can be especially problematic for trans youth who, uh, I, I don't speak for all trans youth, but for me, not having maybe not having as much family assistance or having zero family assistance, right, uh, to be able to pay for those options and then having to come up with those and not having another option. Uh, and even though I, I've worked with housing and I've worked in housing, actually, and I've loved my time there, uh, you, th- you know, there are always different ways. There are always better ways to do it. It is more expensive. And also the people I live with now uh, have to consent to live with me. Uh, and that is... That is done for my safety, but at the same time, that crea- yeah. can create problems with honestly feeling a little quarantined, yeah. right? And feeling and, and just not having a gender-free option that I can go to that is a little bit more cost-effective that uh, I can have that option. So there are options, and, and Kai talked about them really well, but are there desig- always room for improvement. Yeah. Are there designated scholarships <coughs> for these types of housing issues? Or can we get alumni to start figuring <laughs> this out? Uh, so housing specific, yes. my understanding is we have uh, two scholarships that are more housing specific 
Uh, so why not six? Why uh, yeah, we, but they're not, they are not uh, trans-specific or gender non-conforming specific. They're, they have to do mostly with socioeconomics and people who would not come to this university if they couldn't live on campus. Um, yes. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so w there are, the, the LGBT Resource Center uh, provides uh, scholarships every year to, to students, mm -hmm. uh, ac uh, academic uh, uh, scholarships, where um, it's based on an, uh, a financial need basis. And the, um, the, where that money comes from is our annual gala that we do every October. We have a gala uh, usually up at the JCC, and after we pay the bills and everything, then we put it into that fund and we do scholarships. And I think this is about the fifth year that we've been doing scholarships. Mm -hmm. We also have an LGBT alumni uh, aspect to the resource center. Uh, it's 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 housed out of the resource center, and it's about three years. Uh, it's about the third year that when it started, and so we have that option too. But that's a really good question because housing is is a sort of an income generated part of campus, and so that works a little bit differently. So than in, in my silly brain, <laughs> I see on this campus that we have hundreds of athletes that get free housing and board, and I don't like the pedestals that we place at universities or universities in general throughout America. I, I, I don't, because really with the amount of money that this university brings in, there is money in the budget to make, even if it's 10 kids' lives easier, I, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just me, you know, on a microphone. But um, <laughs> I, before I segue to something different, you talk about the LGBT Resource Center being a resource. Talk to me about if a kid's hungry. Talk to me if they have an emergency loan situation, whether you're gay or straight. So what's really exciting right now, and I, I, I haven't been part of the planning, but I've, I've been able to, um, to uh, be uh, sort of exposed to uh, what's going on, but there's, there's a, a movement right now, and a space has been located to, to have a, a food pantry on campus, okay, for, for, for any student who needs anything. I think it's in collaboration with uh, the uh, either the Utah um, the Utah Crossroads Urban Center I'm pretty sure that to start a food pantry and I'm pretty sure it's going to be housed someplace around by the bookstore and so um, so there's planning to do that my understanding is that currently we are the only campus in Utah who doesn't have that option okay so uh, that's what I've been uh, been told I I don't know all the specifics around that so that's going to start here um, uh, it's it's in the planning right now so hopefully by by fall that'll uh -huh. be up and going um, the resource center we have a um, what we called it is the the sharing um, the sharing the sharing table counter yeah. and mm -hmm. we it was an idea we we visited Reed College in um, Oregon a couple years ago about three four years ago and they have what they call a uh, this the scrounge table in their cafeteria where if you don't eat something, you just put it there and anybody can get it. Well, we started that in the center. It's an area of the, the, that, that we just put food, put canned food, that then anybody can take in, 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 in that. And ASU has had a, an option too with uh, some food vouchers and that. And so we also have emergency funds uh, and a student can apply up to $300 for funds for, for food, an emergency books, uh, maybe a situation with housing came up. Uh, so we've had that that we've been able to provide students to, regardless of how a student identifies. Um, um, so, so that's kind of what we're also, uh, we also provide with, uh, with the gala. We you put some for scholarships and the other, and some for emergency funds. So if me being here at KUTE, is there a way that we could set up a can drive sure. for when we do remotes? Or, you know, maybe we can get some in the communication buildings, because that's only 
people I know. Yeah. But that'd be fun to make some posters, get some can drives going, and get more exposure. Because I really do know a lot of kids that don't get to eat yeah. while they're here. And I know growing up, I was always told, you need your brain food so that you can <laughs> actually think and study well and study hard. Yeah. I'd love to see something like that happen. Yeah, yeah and it's great. So this food uh, pantry is going to be open up for all students uh, mm -hmm. to, to utilize in, uh, when, it, when it's up and going off the ground. Um, and we're ta since we're talking more about the greater reaches of the Resource Center, you were mentioning international students. Do you guys get a lot of international students who know about the Resource Center and who come there for a play? I mean, I know that there are different um, groups for a mm. lot of the different cultures and the people who are here, but do you also see a lot of international students? You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we see a lot of international students. Honestly, uh, one of the things that we don't do is we... Um, uh, we ask students to sign in just to kind of show the use of, of the center and um, and on our statistics that we do every year uh, there's a there's a piece for how many a percentage of how many international students we've seen uh, we see we, we do see it we're, we're neighbors with the international yeah. center and so we do uh, do some cross uh, 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 usage in in our uh, in our resources in our center did you go into that class a couple of weeks ago in primarily uh -huh, international students mm -hmm. in, in the class that did a, a safe zone training in that class so so we do um instructors will invite us to do that we they they invite us to be a part of some of their events that we're at tabling or giving information so so yeah we have seen uh, a fair amount of international students we probably don't see that's it's a small percentage but we definitely do see some so mm -hmm. One of the great privileges I think that you two have is working with young human beings who are coming out of the closet, the proverbial closet. Uh -huh. uh, there's a lot of drug abuse, there's a lot of sexual um, misconduct that young people, straight or gay, but when you're really struggling with your identity, you tend to, in my opinion, you tend to really p play hard. Uh -huh. uh, what are some of the struggles that you see working with young people with these issues? Um, you know, we're talking about working with young people today was uh, it w there's an or overnight orientation where incoming freshmen come in every, uh, I believe that they do this every couple of weeks during the summer. And we with the LGBT Resource Center uh, table there. And uh, when you talked about outreach and like you talked earlier a little bit about being plugged in, and we certainly do want to be plugged in and outreach as much as possible to any student uh, for either their safety or just a place where they can be themselves. But we, I've had students who look at the table and we've got a rainbow flag and we've got our, uh, all of our resource uh, pamphlets there and I've had parents who look at it and maybe shoo their child away or maybe they look at us and they're, they're not quite ready to come up to us and, and that really depends on out status, right? Because we, we, we want to outreach but sometimes we've got to do it passively because we want to make sure we're, we can uh, meet that student where they're at and that they're comfortable and that happens at least in my experience with personal friends and students that I've worked with and volunteered with uh, college is a time where that happens a lot uh, coming out but it's a very serious issue like a life-threatening life-saving situation it, and, and I'm not gay I have gay friends but it would seem to me you know and I come from a different generation I'm 33 but when I was growing up it wasn't cool to be gay like you got beat up now it seems more accepting, but it's still, but again, a lot of this society doesn't approve of the lifestyle. Right. Can, can, for people that are listening that are struggling with coming out, which I, uh -huh. think, I think is a bizarre term in and of itself, but <laughs> can, can you give them any uh, suggestions on how to do it? Uh, 
some inspiration, some any tools that either of you two have learned? In working with students, if, if I think about this larger like LGBT queer movement that's happening locally as far as nationwide, there are some people that are able to be out. Like, let's say me, example, I work at an LGBT resource center. I mean, I, 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 it would be difficult to, for me to work there if I if I wasn't out. Yeah. Um, however, um, uh, you know, in in so 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 my point is is that working with students and um, and I I don't think it's ever okay for me or, or really anybody to say just you know like well, you need to be out to your family. It's just the more people are out, the more you know, the quicker it's we're going to be accepted, the quicker da da da, and all this kind of stuff. And my take with it is that that's not something everybody can do. Uh -huh. Okay, and for students uh, who who are. Is just you know got to college and they're discovering parts of themselves or maybe they knew it a little bit but when they got here they're discovering parts of themselves regardless of what that means but for students who with their sexual orientation or gender identity expression and if they're being financially supported by their family okay to yeah. be in school and that's what they're relying on and 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 being out might mean that's taken away which will end their their college uh, <coughs> what they're mm -hmm. doing or the fear of that it's like you know it's 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 okay if you're if you're not out, so I think we, we got to be really careful when we give the message that we all need to be out regardless in order to um, you know kind of Move be authentic. Because I think being authentic um, is, is 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 one thing, and 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 I think you can be authentic and be who you're out, and also be selective in 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 in, in who you you you're you're out to or who you. T who you tell uh, so so that's one thing uh, because it is it's it's some things can shift in people's lives and some things don't shift but but they mm -hmm. can um, right so working with students that's just kind of something that we, we we ask students if they're in the center and they're on Facebook and they're kind of checking in just to check themselves if they want if you want to check in on Facebook that you're at the center go ahead and do that but don't check everybody else in mm -hmm. while you're there because that's I mean that's a privacy issue I mean I mean regardless I mean that's just you know it's that's I think um, we, we need to be thoughtful about that too. So, um, For the young journalists on campus, is it appropriate, because this is something I didn't really struggle with, I just chose not to, but identifying a student who's LGBT, is it appropriate to use her name? Or is that just, do you do an anonymous sourcing, do you just not bring up their name, mm -hmm. write it so that you know the name doesn't come up because mm -hmm. I because it's like you said what if someone changes their mind in 10 years what if their dad reads yeah. an uh -huh. article or right. hears something you know if that person it, that is an individual absolutely individual basis where every time it is up to that journalist to mm -hmm. ask that person what are you okay with me disclosing uh, and also uh, personally uh, having I've been in the crony before and I was listed um, as a lesbian female and uh, you know that's not really accurate and they didn't really ask me uh, they didn't ask me how I identified but they saw me that when I told them that I was queer they kind of used a different verbiage there they also used a pronoun that I don't really like being used uh, and a name that I may or may not like being used and those are all really appropriate things to ask and also, is there's need to know and want to know. So is it very specific to what you're writing about? And does that person that you're interviewing, uh, they're good with being out? If it's having to do with specifically with the LGBTQIA community, then yeah, go ahead and ask them and see if you can meet them where they're at with their identity. But I think it's important to address or differentiate need to know and want to know. 
uh, right? Like, what do I need to know uh, in order to get this information out to people on this article, uh, whether that be entertainment opinion or, or news? Uh, and what do, what do I personally want to know? Uh, what do my viewers need to know? What do my viewers want to know? And how do I balance that with maintaining the person who, with whom I'm interviewing their safety and treating them with the dignity and respect that everyone else deserves? And I don't think that asking someone, because outness, you can out yourself with a whole lot of different identities, right? You can out yourself as someone who is uh, undocumented, for example. What does and that mean? So, for example, I just outed myself in this interview as trans. Yes. Uh, I'm trans, uh, and but I'm I could also I'd out myself with someone, for example, as a student who has experienced homelessness uh. or who has experienced. Uh, so those kind of identities I keep from, or I can keep from others, or I can hide from others, but I, I can choose to out myself in other ways. And a very close friend of mine has to choose whether or not to out themselves as an undocumented uh, uh, immigrant to this country. Yeah. Uh, and so it's important to ask those kind of questions to everyone, regardless of, of their community, to be able to treat them with uh, the dignity and respect that they deserve, uh, and also to just own them, or where, the, where are they at with their identity? Is trans short for transgender? Uh, yeah, let's talk about that. So trans, T-R-A-N-S, and then a little asterisk right after that. So that, yes, that means transgender, but that uh, transgender can mean, for example, like um, um, someone who identifies as male to female uh, transgender individual or female to male transgender individual. For me personally, I go in a lot of places in the spectrum mm -hmm. uh, and that I don't Unless usually put male or female on that, but it's, I just say trans because, and that's my gender because it kind of goes everywhere. <laughs> so let's go through it. Uh, for a lesbian, it's appropriate to call them a lesbian. Is there other acronyms or titles that a lesbian person goes well so, so when there's a couple of uh things with that so so Please. lesbian um is 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 uh that implies an uh, a sexual identity mm -hmm. okay somebody who's lesbian say for sake of simplicity is uh, somebody who is um is identifies as as a woman or, or female uh regardless of how they're assigned at birth whose sexual uh, who identifies their sexual orientation as being attracted to to women? Okay, and they may say, "I, I, my sexual orientation is, well, I'm a lesbian," meaning that. So that's what, uh, what that is. Now, um, so gender, like trans, has to do with uh, gender. Okay, yeah. transgender is not a sexual orientation. Okay, it's it's transgender um, means a lot of different things, but in regards to one's gender, either possibly. Uh, uh, so, so there's an assignment at birth. So somebody's born based on their genitalia, they're assigned either usually male because of their the, the, uh, genitalia or, or, or female because of the genitalia based on what our society, mm -hmm. what we've always been, you know, this is a boy, this is a girl. Then there's the other aspect of intersex, which uh, is, a, is a medical sort of uh, piece. Um, and then, so that's that's about assignment, uh, male, female, and then gender and is. That's where you have internal. Uh, oh, intersex. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different ways that intersex are 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 uh, diagnosed, but but the one at birth that is 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 ambiguous genitalia. Yeah. Okay. So it might be. So you might have a penis, but you might have ovaries or some well, variation. Variation uh -huh. in visible invisible genits in your vi in, in an infant's visible genitalia. Mm -hmm. okay? okay. But later on, there could be other you know other 
I think it's Swire syndrome, uh, where it's uh, my understanding or what I've uh, been exposed to is somebody who's who's born uh, being assigned female has a, a vagina and um, visually and and as they start developing and they growing, have it, while they they don't have uh, they have uh, they they don't have uh, the female hormone, so they don't mm-hmm. menstruate, they don't develop, you know, uh, and so that's a that's a. a a form of intersex. That's a type of intersex. Okay, and then what they'll usually do is they'll they'll give female hormones and start developing secondary sex characteristics. So, um, so yes, yeah, so that's more of a medical sort of a issue right there. Yeah. Uh, um, Sounds so, like a tough life. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, that's also sort of uh, subjective too because we also got to think. There's there's a trans woman um, in uh, back east uh, uh, who says, you know, I've heard her say, says like, I don't have gender identity disorder, okay? Society has gender identity disorder. So we gotta think about, you know, basically what she's saying is like, I'm okay with me, okay? It's society that makes it difficult for me to be me, right? okay? So so a tough life, I think, you know, taking, um, I think oftentimes what's difficult is is kind of our, our, our culture and our community, I mean, I mean, it is. It's like, you know, growing up and feeling different and nothing, ref- you don't see anybody or any reflection in how you're feeling. You know, it's pretty isolated, and and uh, it's isolating in that. So, 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 yeah. But oftentimes, what makes it tough is what's coming at us from you know <laughs> education, from maybe religious uh, uh, entities, uh, media, um, um, you know, family, uh, culture, uh, those kind of things. Is so, so we got to really kind of think about you know what is I mean, because you know what she says. I'm good with myself. It's it's society that that makes it difficult for me to be me in this world. When I was studying with the Utah AIDS Foundation, they brought up a concept of referring to gay men as men who have sex with men. What does, is that something that's appropriate to write? Do you write a gay man or do you write a man who has sex with men? That that depends on who you're talking to, okay? Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really depends because somebody might say, yeah, I, I have, I identify as, as gay, I have sex with with men, and then there are men who don't identify as gay who have sex with men, okay? But they don't identify as gay, mm-hmm. okay? They identify as you know, I may not exclusively have sex, but but I, I men um, who have sex with men may not identify a, as being gay. Uh, women who have sex with women may not identify as being lesbian, okay? I mean, so that's an identity that somebody either you know takes on for themselves and says, yeah, this is how, or this is how I, because. We also have a, a, a uniqueness here in um, in our our uh, state, which is uh, the predominant religion. When we're talking about gay, lesbian, what we're talking about in 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 that entity, what they talk about is um, same sex attraction. Right. Okay, that's what they use in that. So when yeah. I'm working with somebody or talking with a student who has who who uh, is part of our predominant religion, and, and we're talking about this, so with that, I may rather than saying gay or lesbian, I might say same sex attraction. Okay, because in that area, that's what's being used. Okay, yeah. so specifically in that, or ask somebody, how do you identify? If if you if you need to know in order to, you know, um, if there's a reason, is it a need to know or want to know? And so, so yeah, so so uh, men who have sex with men may identify as gay, may identify as heterosexual, may identify as bisexual, may not kind of maybe be in the questioning, but that's a, you know, that's that's a terminology that doesn't imply mm-hmm. that somebody takes on the term uh, gay or in that way. Does that? No, it does. When 
if I'm speaking with a trans person, do I refer to them as they? Is that the acceptable pronoun? Where what? How how do we? How do you make someone feel safe and inclusive? Because mm-hmm. it's confusing, like just for our audience, and a lot of people wonder about it. Mm-hmm. So with pronouns, it can be sometimes a. So in trainings, for example, a lot of times we say asks what someone's preferred pronoun is. But that can also be, that's also been problematic in some spaces in that are we only asking people that we don't immediately assume? Are we only asking people that look queer or that don't look gender conforming or cisgender? Uh, And by cisgender, I mean someone who identified with the gender they were assigned at birth. Um, and, And I mean people for example, assume my pronoun, because right now I look cisgender, but maybe I don't prefer that pronoun. So I think if people do ask... You said pr- cisgender? Mm-hmm, cisgender. What does that mean? Uh, so someone... So for example, if a, a woman was assigned female at birth uh, and identifies later on in life as a woman, then she is cisgender. And that term is used... So we use the term transgender and cisgender, right? And so transgender doesn't isn't specific enough as in it's uh, someone who doesn't assign with the gender they were assigned at birth because you're assigned a sex and a gender along with a whole bunch of roles with that right and, and so it's kind of a way to avoid using terms like normal for example because yeah. to me I'm pretty normal sure. <laughs> right and yeah. so I, I use cisgender um, so personally I really don't mind being asked what my preferred pronouns are I love being asked uh, and one specific pronoun is not a fit all pronoun for a certain identity, right? So a trans, so you asked, is they appropriate for trans people in general? I would say um, no, unless that trans person does prefer the pronouns they, them, uh, and theirs. Um, And personally, when I refer to someone with whom I haven't met, I usually use the they pronoun just because it sounds neutral to me. But there are, there's the she pronouns, the he pronouns, they pronouns. There's, I also have friends who use Z uh, zero pronouns. Uh, and That's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. What can you explain <coughs> that, or can you guys just? Sorry, can you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Z. So Z is uh, another gender uh, neutral pronoun or gender. It, it's it's a uh, so just just not in the binary of female or male pronouns. Uh, and there are a whole bunch of different others that I have a lot less experience with that people are able to use. One really great thing, though, is just to use someone's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. In anyway. Europe, you're seeing, I think it's Sweden, uh-huh. where they're not classifying children as male and female. They use the term hen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is that going to come to America at some point, you think? Because I think it, it's an interest. Can you talk about this idea? Uh, why it's important, I guess? Well, it's it's most people, um, most people, what's common, so because we're talking what's common is most people, uh, well, he or she, his or her, okay, most people do. But when we, we think about this binary, that a binary is that it's men or women and, and, and that's it, um, we're excluding a lot of other identities because <coughs> it's really not that sort of, it's not always that sort of what, um, you know, that's exclusively how people identify. And so... Um, Language is really interesting because, uh, you know, people, it's like, you know, uh, grammar and language is very, to some people, it's very, very important and very, very, nope, it's this way or it's this way. You, you know, they, them, and theirs means, uh, you know, there's multiple people, and I only see one person right now, just just you. So that, that, that can't be. And we don't have any, any, any words that are gendered to, to identify 
individuals uh, besides that that we don't have that option. Mm -hmm. So um, so hopefully, as it, I know, APA the kind of the writing manuals have um, uh, uh, parts that say gender uh, gender free language to use. Okay, and so I know when I do papers because I'm a graduate student, I will use they and them, and then I will put a footnote. Okay, saying why I'm using they and them. Okay. I like that. Yeah, because I'll say, you know, in, 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 in an effort to be sort of gender nonspecific and inclusive, I'm going to use they and them in, in, in what I'm doing. And some instructors will say, you know, oh, they'll write next to it, it's like, oh, I hope we get there one day. This is great. Some will say, you know, for this assignment, I really da 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 da. So it depends on that way. But, but I know APA and M I know MLA, they have um, um, a whole part of their manual that talks about gender neutral language to use in, in papers and so as as that becomes more of, of what we do in a habit I think it'll get more and more ex acceptable or people will be okay with it but you know people get really personal about language and um, <laughs> sure, very very you know it's like no I mean I was listening to NPR um, yesterday and it's like talking about um, I got a new car and, and and it's like drive somebody nuts I got a new car I purchased a new car Okay, so so the language is is, is always uh, you know it's it's um, it's it's people get really sort of attached to it, and I, I think um, language is very fascinating. Uh, but when it comes to pronouns and in that, it's like you know he her he or her, and um, so just ask. So so to ask, yeah, Absolutely. but but the other thing too is is what often happens though is if if if, if somebody doesn't know how somebody identifies, because one of the things that we see when we see people is like oh. We see a couple of things, okay? We see, is it, a, is it a man or a woman or ethnicity or something that we can see? Uh -huh. and if, but if we don't know, it's like, well, I, I need to know. And then that's the person you ask versus somebody you assume that you know. And that's kind of the problem with the, that mm -hmm. is oftentimes it gets with the people that you don't know it because I, I need to know. It's not because you have to know. It's just more out of curiosity. So that's the piece there, too, is, is, is if... Um, you know, if we're spending a lot of time together and um, and you want to honor me and get to know me and you ask me, yeah, but if I'm in the store and somebody comes up, so are you da 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 da, and I'm thinking, you know, whoa, whoa what's going on here, you know? <laughs> so those, there's different, uh, but, but to ask people, you know, what, um, and, and the safety is, is to use their name. Students can go to the LGB Resource Center, get guidance, um, is counseling the right word, or? Actually, we don't do counseling. Uh, we do uh, we do referrals. Uh, we uh, if somebody uh, uh, comes there and they want if they if that's what they need, then we'll do referrals on campus or off campus. Uh, students come there for a lot of different reasons. They come here there to print. Okay, they come there to get resources. <laughs> they come there to, to eat and lounge around. They come there to uh, to meet other students. Uh, they come mm -hmm. there to use the library. So there's a lot of different reasons. Not everybody who comes in uh, is is like in need of. They're not. We don't want to assume that people who come in don't feel good about themselves, right. okay? That they're coming in because because of that, because that's not the case for most people. They come to the center for, for various reasons. We have a printer, we have we, we have computers that they can use. We see all all students in there. You can get condoms? Yeah, there's yep. condoms there. There's a couple places on campus that you can get Where condoms. Else? Uh, the uh, Center for Student Wellness over in the Student mm -hmm. Services building, yeah. they have condoms over there. Be nice uh. if they had them in bathrooms. Just <laughs> no, because yeah, no, I know yeah. we've seen a decrease in AIDS through at least in this country, but STDs are going rampant in uh, Utah. I know that we have Utah AIDS Foundation coming in this summer, but the spike in syphilis and chlamydia and 
is something serious, uh -huh. and those have long-term effects when you get 60. Mm -hmm. uh, you think sometimes at a universal city that they would be promoting safety in some instances. I know that we have certain colleges and segments that do, but just all the way around would be. Uh -huh. right. mm -hmm. I really appreciate uh, the LGBT Center coming in. For someone that wants to get in contact, where can they find you on Facebook, Twitter, and the web world? Uh -huh, absolutely. Or if they want to get in touch with the two of you. Uh -huh, so where we are location-wise is we're in the Union, room 409 at the top floor. Uh, and our Facebook is just uh, LG, you can do it at LGBT slash Facebook, or LGBT U of U, U, U of U LGBT at slash Facebook uh, dot com. Uh, Twitter is at LGBTRC. I'm not really sure how Twitter works, to be honest. I don't have a Twitter. <laughs> uh, but we do have a Twitter, and it's U of U, at U of U LGBTRC. Uh, and uh, our email is lgbt at utah.edu. Uh, and you can also get in contact with either of us through either of those emails through Facebook or calling us, and we have that website on lgbt.utah.edu. So our number yeah. is 801-587-7973. That's mm -hmm. impressive. Yeah. <laughs> with all yeah. the 581s on this Yeah, campus. yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and that, that's probably one of maybe three numbers that I, uh, that I actually <laughs> remember. So my, my office number, that number, and... Um, that's about <laughs> it. Well, the professorship that the two of you exhibit inspires me. And I thank you for embracing the humanism on this campus because yeah. it's a better campus with... The two of you on that. So thanks. Thank you so yes. much we for having us. Really appreciate you know, we we, um, we see a lot of s students who volunteer at the center, and you know, um, yeah, it's just really nice to see students get involved. One last yeah. thing: if you can't afford a cap and gown, you can graduate lavender, regardless yes. of your orientation, mm -hmm. for yeah. free. Correct? Oh yeah, yeah. You don't have to wear a cap and gown. Um, that's optional. Um, but you don't yeah. have to buy I one either. Saw the either, rainbow right? tassels. Yeah, yeah. yeah rainbow tassels. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's everybody, that? anybody who wants to be in uh -huh. Lavender graduation, it's always, next year will be the Tuesday before commencement on Thursday. Mm -hmm. cool. um, so if someone wants, to, if any one of our listeners wants to get a rainbow tassel, do you have any in storage that <laughs> they could get? Did you run out? Because I'm sure you did. Uh, uh, you know what? Today, actually, we were, we wanna, we've been wanting to repurpose some of them because we had some from 2012, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so... Brie, the executive secretary uh, of the, at the Resource Center, has been working on repurposing them to maybe either use them for next year or for some other Can kind of project. Can you get one for <laughs> like a personal favorite? Uh, you know what? I don't <laughs> know. Stop by and ask <laughs> Brie. Brie's there every day. See if you also, can see. Also, we are going to be at the Pride this week, and mm -hmm. we have a, 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 a booth, but we're in the parade. So we have T-shirts. So anybody who wants to march with us in the parade, Come by the center, get a T-shirt mm -hmm. that morning. Be there at nine o'clock down where it, uh, down by the city and county building, and mm -hmm. we we hope to see a record number of people march with us this year. Absolutely, we're very excited. Awesome, so. great. Well, we appreciate you. Thank you, Becca. Uh, this is OU Radio. We'll be back on Tuesday. So, thank you, everyone. I see trees of green. Red roses too I see them bloom For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful world I 
see skies of blue and clouds of white the bright blessed days the dark sacred night and I think to myself what a wonderful 